0: Hello and welcome to Footnotes the Cicerone Podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Hannah and thanks for joining us for our latest fortnightly episode. Today's episode is the highlights of our latest Cicerone Live event. If you'd like to join our next event, you can find all the details at www.cicerone.co.uk forward slash live. Tonight we're going to hear about Hiking in Hong Kong, which is the subject of a new guidebook by Andrew Mock and Simon Whitmarsh. It's available to pre-order now and will be published in January. Hong Kong, it just looks incredible, I have to just say that, but it offers a, a real juxtaposition of city and countryside, where you can stay in fancy hotels and eat incredible food whilst being able to access a massive range of hiking and trekking routes. Andrew and Simon are here to tell you more And they are very keen walkers. They reckon they cover over 2000 kilometers a year. As well as their new guidebook to Hong Kong, they've written a guide to Portugal and have extensive trekking experience across the UK, Europe, US and Asia. Hello, Simon and Andrew. Hello,
1: Hannah. Hi, Hannah.
0: Thanks for, thanks for joining us tonight. I believe you have got a presentation for us and you're going to, you're going to tell us all about Hong Kong. And then after that presentation, we're going to open out for questions from the audience. So hopefully people will send us as many questions as possible and we'll really test you on your knowledge of of Hong Kong. But why was it so special to you to, to do a book on this?
1: Well, um, I was born in Hong Kong. Uh, well, I have lived in the UK for most of my life. And I went back to Hong Kong to hike and I thought the hiking was excellent. So to write a book about my home country, it is actually very special.
0: Let's get on with the presentation and, and people will be able to see from themselves.
2: So um, I'm Simon. Uh, this is Andrew. So we're going to talk about our new sister book, Hiking in Hong Kong. I'm just going to spend 10 or 15 minutes basically explaining why you should put Hong Kong on your radar as a hiking destination. And included in that, I'm going to speak about the the jewel of the crown, which is the four long distance walks. In the book, we've got 21 day walks, though there are hundreds you could do there. Uh, We've just chosen to to talk about two of them, just to give you some sort of idea of the territory.
1: As I said already, I was born in Hong Kong. I wasn't interested in hiking until a few years ago. Then I went back to Hong Kong, went for a walking, and I thought the hiking was excellent. I told Simon about it, brought him along, and he was equally thrilled. Thrilled by the landscape, the seascape, and also the many opportunities. The walks are so accessible because of the convenient transport system. It doesn't matter whether it's a long-distance walk, a circular walk, or a linear walk. So we approached this around to write a book about it. So just over two years ago, we went to Hong Kong, did many walks, wrote the first draft book, and then unfortunately COVID hit. So after more than two years' delay, we went back to Hong Kong this year, did many walks again, updated our research, updated our writing, and after much, much, much delay... We're now really looking forward to seeing the final product soon. So this is what
2: I was expecting when I first went to Hong Kong, and I, and I did see it. So this is Hong Kong Harbour, as seen from the peak, full of skyscrapers. Uh, this is a similar view by night, as seen from Hong Kong's tallest building. Uh, and it, it is truly amazing. But what I wasn't expecting was things like this. This is Tsai Kung and the Far East and a superb pass and mountain after mountain after mountain. This is a walk we did a whole mountain. We didn't see a soul all day. Uh, The island of Lantau is an unexpected gem for hiking. Uh, And I certainly wasn't expecting hiking like this. This walk's actually in the book. We call it Ben Nevis because this peak here uh, in the old admiralty charts from the 50s was called Ben Nevis. It's it's got a Chinese name now, but, but I still call it Ben Nevis. Also, Because Hong Kong's got many islands, you get loads of views like these, glorious. They look like thousands of islands. There's actually only 260. I wasn't expecting much in the way of wildlife either, but you get to see things like this. This is a, a feral water buffalo. You can get up close and personal with one of the 260 different sorts of tropical birds that frequent Hong Kong. And this explains basically why. So this is up from an article called land utilization in Hong Kong and I thank the authors. This is the built up bits and as you can see the rest of it isn't great in fact because it's either protected or because it's too steep for building on it's empty and empty land in tropical places gets covered in subtropical greenland so it's literally Green. So but when I talk about Hong Kong, I'm not just talking about Hong Kong Island. We're talking about the Hong Kong Territory, which is the island. Uh, then you've got Lantau Island, which is where the airport is. You've got the Kowloon Peninsula. You've got the new territories. Then you've got 261 other islands in the archipelago. Uh, and there's four long distance trails. And, and they're the, the absolute jewel in the crown. Hong Kong one, Lantau, Wilson going from the far south to the far north and Meklohoe is going from the far east to the far west and they're all superb trails and they're all very well signposted apart from on the very rare occasions they go through urban areas where all of a sudden all the signs completely disappear uh, and without our book or our GPX you'd be totally lost.
1: So we're going to talk about firstly uh, the four long distance trail the first one is Hong Kong Trail it's named after the city and is entirely on Hong Kong Island. Being sort of Volcanic in origin, the island is actually quite hilly, as Simon already mentioned. All the lowland and bits tend to be actually developed or built. Hence, actually, most of the protected green area tend to be in relatively steep or high up. This also makes it um, for the Hong Kong Trail to have lots of ups and downs over a relatively short distance. The Hong Kong Trail is actually 50 kilometres and it starts from the peak. The peak is actually the highest hill or mountain on Hong Kong Island at 395 metres. It's got an iconic architectural building at the top and it's also got panoramic views of the Hong Kong territory by day and by night. Hong Kong is famous for a skyscraper. One would actually be surprised to find you could escape the metropolis quite easily to a verdant, peaceful, green area overlooking island-dotted sea. As you traverse... Hong Kong Island, you do actually come across this. This is the Dragon's Back. It's one of the most famous day hike in Hong Kong and is voted Asia's best urban hike. Unfortunately, because of its celebrity status, it does tend to attract the locals and the tourists. Fortunately, this is actually only a very, very small portion of the eighth section of Hong Kong Trail. After 50 kilometers, you will be rewarded with this. This is the final stop Big Wave Bay, a peaceful beach for you to enjoy, either to relax or swim, and hope you have enjoyed the long-distance Hong Kong Trail. The next one is Lantau
2: Trail, which starts here in Mui Wo, then goes down the middle of Lantau Island, the first half of it. The second half of it goes back along the coast. Uh, it's 74 kilometres, which we split into five days. The first portion of it is going along the mountainous backbone of the island which has five of hong kong's top 10 highest peaks Uh, this is just day one this one's called sunset peak this one is land tower peak and you do them both on the first day but it's not just mountains this is the big buddha so he's 34 meters tall 250 tons and it's a, it's a superb tourist destination just by itself. If you're doing Lantau Trail, definitely allow some time to explore the Big Buddha and the associated monastery complex. Uh, the other bits of the Lantau Trail that I quite enjoyed were this is a, a fishing village called Tai o. All the fishing, village, all the houses are built on stilts. It probably looks just like it did about 100 years ago. This is on the trail, um, and you can actually eat there. Uh, you could even stay in that one. Most of, the, uh, most of the walks like this, incredibly rural, incredibly quiet. I mean, we even saw fishing eagles. We saw ospreys. Allegedly, we could have, there's a chance of seeing white dolphins, but, but we never did. The second half of the walk is along the, back along the coast, and you get to see some pristine beaches. Uh, this one, you're actually allowed to camp on.
1: The third long-distance trail is the Makleyhose Trail, which is actually in green on this map from the eastern part of the territory all the way to the western part. is that actually named after the late Hong Kong governor who was a keen hiker and he also set up the country park system. This is a picture of the hexagonal columns in Saikon, which is the beginning of the long distance trail. It is UNESCO listed. It looks a bit like the uh, hexagonal columns in Giant Causeway in Ireland, but they're actually quite differently formed and they're actually quite unique, quite rare in the world. Sai Kung is also actually one of the most picturesque hiking hotspots in Hong Kong and quite rightly so. The mountain views, the sea views, the greenery and also it's got lots of golden sandy beaches. You will then actually traverse across towards the west. You will pass by quite a few reservoirs. This is one of them, it's called the Dawson Island Reservoir. You will also go past a few old villages some of them still there, some of them in ruins, and some of them have been drowned during and also before these reservoirs were constructed. Uh, on top of that, you'll be also walking along some ancient ways where people used to walk from rural villages to the market towns with their produce. The MacLehose Trail also goes up the highest mountain in Hong Kong, the whole of Hong Kong Territory. This is Tai Taimou Shan. And after over 100 kilometres, eventually you will actually finish the whole long distance trail to the westernmost area of the territory. So the final one is
2: also named after a governor. It's called the Wilson Trail, and it goes from the far south of Hong Kong Island, traverses the entire island. Then you take public transport to the Kowloon Peninsula, then you go further north, north, and north, and north. Uh, through eight country parks until you finally finish very close to the Chinese border. This is the the beginning um, in Stanley, looking back on the route you've done, um, because I needed a breather, if I'm honest, because there are are a lot of stairs in this bit. Um, In the mainland bit, you go through loads of reservoirs, and the reservoirs have got a resident monkey population. The reason I'm just pointing them out is that they look quite cute, but if you... You need to be slightly careful because if you stare at them, apparently they view that as a threat and get quite aggressive. Though We never had any problems. But having said all that, is the final day of walking that I love more than anything else because it starts off really rural, so really urban here in this is the covered bridge in Taiwo. And then it goes along what I think is the single best bridge walk in the whole of Hong Kong, mile after mile of peak after peak. And it finishes in what's called Pat Sing which is eight summits all in one all in one stretch, and it's it's just super. In fact, we did it so we did it a lot more than we needed to, just because we enjoyed it so much.
1: As Simon has already mentioned, there are hundreds of day walks, so we're only going to choose two examples. Uh, this first one is called Lion Rock Walk. From a distance, you could see this is actually the head of the lion, the body. And this is the rump of the Lion Rock. It's not a very big hill. It's only 495 metres high, but it is an iconic peak in Hong Kong, partly because of its central location and partly because of a TV series in 1970s called Below the Lion Rock. After the TV series, the Lion Rock actually became the um, emblem representing the never give up spirit of Hong Kongers. When I was young, when I was actually growing up, I went to a school in Kowloon Tong, which was literally below the Lion Rock. I used to look up and thought, that's a long way up. A few years ago, I went up for the first time and I thought, "Whoa, it was a fantastic walk and the views are absolutely wonderful. But for the book, we decided to actually plan an even more challenging walk. Let me explain to you. I mean, Kowloon in Chinese actually means nine dragons. It actually refers to the eight mountains along this ridge and also one emperor in the Song Dynasty. So for this walk, we have actually crammed in six out of the eight dragons. We go up the first peak, which is the Kowloon Peak, and then we're going to walk along this ridge and heading this way towards Lion Rock. Let's have a little recap. So this picture is taken halfway up the first peak of Kowloon Peak. So we're still going to continue along this ridge and along this bridge, keep going, keep going, and eventually you will get to Lion Rock. From this picture, it's also very um, representative of hiking in Hong Kong. You actually get unique views you will never see it anywhere else in the world. You actually get rural countryside in juxtaposition of the famous skyscraper landscape of Hong Kong. And this is overlooking Kowloon Peninsula, the Hong Kong harbour and Hong Kong island. It is a fantastic, long, long hike, this one, or it's a day hike. It's from morning till late in the afternoon or evening. So eventually you will get to Lion Rock at 495 metres. As I said, because of the central location, it is also famous as sunset or sunrise hiking point. So the one I've chosen is called uh, Tongping Chao. Um,
2: and this is Tongping Chao, which is Chinese for East Flat Island. Uh, and I don't know whether you can see. This is pretty flat. I mean, on the walk, we've said there's a summit, which is uh, 45 metres. So I'm not sure that really captures a summit, but that was the highest point of the walk. Uh, the reason I've chosen it is not just because it's UNESCO listed for its geology, but also it was great fun. And I learned about how Hong Kong's changed in the last few decades. So this is the first fun bit. Uh, you get there by what's called a kaito, which is Chinese for small ferry, which we treated as a one and a half an hour mini cruise. Fantastic views of Hong Kong. Then you get to, to the island itself, where even though there used to be 2,000 residents and now apparently there's only one left, somehow there are restaurants open. And because there used to be so many people, they've all left and moved to the city now. Uh, there's loads of ruined villages to see. But the big thing to see is number one is the peace. Uh, and number two are the rocks, um, which you don't see. You don't see rocks like this anywhere else in Hong Kong, or sea stacks like these. And there's, there's a load more rocks and geology to see on the island. In fact, if, if you are interested in geology, um, Andrew's already mentioned that the UNESCO-listed volcanic remnants in Sai Kung. Uh, uh, this is a an island called po Toy Island, which uh, is entirely made of pink granite, and it's full of weird-shaped rocks like this one, which is called the tortoise, for fairly obvious reasons, or, or this one, which is called the Buddha's hand.
1: Um, we have given you a vignette of uh, walking in Hong Kong and hope we have enticed you to come and visit Hong Kong. But as um, Simon has already mentioned, Hong Kong is mad about food. It's a foodie place. It's even got its own Michelin guide. So to embrace the Hong Kong food culture, we're going to just show you a few photos of food. Hong Kong people love seafood when we grew up by the sea. So these fresh seafood in fish tank is actually very, very pretty. You could buy seafood fresh from the fishermen. You could have beautifully decorated Chinese buns, traditional roast meat and Michelin star uh, delicate sweets. We hope that we have entitled to come and have the food and the walking. Please do not hesitate to contact us. If you want to ask us any questions about walking in Hong Kong, but we're also very happy if you send us messages to ask us about food in general. So that's a, a
2: taste of Hong Kong. <laughs> um, so over to you, Hannah.
0: Well done for for not overdoing the the food. We had quite a strict talk about how much of the time you need to talk about hiking and how much of the time you can talk about food, and that I believe that was very very restrained of you both. So so well done. That was great. That was really interesting. Thank you for offering to answer questions. We have had a couple coming in, so please keep those coming in and, and we, will, we will go through those. OK, so Joe has asked, what would be a good recommended itinerary for a, a week?
1: The best thing probably to do is actually send us an email and we can actually tell you our favourite walks. Because obviously there are our favourite sections of each long distance walk and also our favourite day walks. Um, but you also have to tell us what you like and also it depends on your fitness and your stamina and then we can actually tailor it to individual
2: but we know joe so we know he likes a good long walk so i would do wilson trail and because it's my favorite one uh, and the islands because you see stuff there you just wouldn't you just don't see anywhere else and it's part of the day out anyways getting on the ferry and hope
1: Whereas for you, we know that you like geology. So we probably pick out all the best geology, interesting books for you.
0: Uh, Honestly, the rocks. Yeah. When you said that there's a whole island made of pink granite, I think I squealed a little bit. But I was on mute. Nobody could hear it, which is probably good. Um, Yeah. I think me and Joe have got very different um things that we'd look for in walks for sure he'd be looking for the highest the the walk that you said where you do eight peaks and a ridge that sounds very joe territory <laughs> it's
2: it's a it's my favorite um yeah we did it loads of times because we loved it so much
0: yeah but i mean if there's a 45 meter peak as well i mean that island flat island what a fantastic name because that was that that really was uh doing what it said on the tin
2: that's very chinese Blunt to blunt, and to the point of bluntness.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite helpful. I think it's just very descriptive. Um, okay, we've got a question from Marinella, and I think she's listening from uh, the Netherlands. I think, which is which is nice. And she says, "How safe are the trails for single female hikers?"
2: Very. It's, it's simply put, very. Hong Kong is an, is a very very safe place. Um, and look, as long as you're walking during the day. I, I wouldn't be wouldn't be perturbed in the slightest to walk alone.
1: Well, two things. I mean, yes, a lot of people do go up Lion Rock for sunset. So you would be walking downhill in the dark. So that would be slightly more, uh, cal- you have to be more cautious about it. Um, but otherwise, yes, I agree with Simon. It's actually very safe walking in Hong Kong. In fact, we actually was talking to Joe to say that, sometimes hong kong uh, is over cautious there are warning signs everywhere as soon as it's more dangerous they will say be careful make sure you're well hydrated make sure uh, you have sunscreen etc um, it's very safe so I'll, if i were her i would be very happy to go to hong kong to hike
0: great thank you and um, bridget has asked is there a good time of the year to go
1: over to you andrew Well, it depends what you actually prefer again. Although I was born in Hong Kong, I actually prefer cool climate. So for me, I will always go to Hong Kong in the winter, between November to February time, when the temperature is about 20 to 25 degrees. To me, that's actually perfect for hiking. But if you're a sun worshipper, you like going swimming in the sea, hot weather, then obviously the rest of the year is as good July and August tend to be very hot, and you also might get is the the peak of the typhoon season. Um, but also that is the school holiday time, so you can go there the whole year whole year round. But personally, I like the winter.
0: And and what's the weather like generally in Hong Kong?
1: Uh, well, I've been quite
2: a few times now. Obviously, I was born there. Um, you can get typhoons in season, but mostly it's sunny and warm and t-shirt weather um and it's it's really rather it's really rather pleasant especially in winter when it's all miserable and gray in britain
0: yeah 20 to 25 sounds pretty nice right now (laughs) 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 comfortable hiking weather when we're in the uk and it's dark and it's been absolutely throwing it down with rain all afternoon that sounds, yeah, another reason indeed to go to Hong Kong and go hiking.
2: I mean, just to give you an idea, so we, the first time we were there for three months uh, and there were, it rained once between October and January. It was one day we didn't walk because of, of the weather.
1: Um, that's it, in three months. Yeah. But saying that, beware, uh, we don't get long days like in the UK, so it does start to get dark by five, six o'clock in the evening. So if you plan a long walk, you do need to start early. It's our top tip in the book. Start
2: early. You get there before everybody else does uh, and you finish while it's light, which is quite helpful.
0: Okay, we have another question about um, hiking as as a woman. Um, So somebody else has just said, are are the long trails um, safe for a woman on her own to hike? Uh, She's an avid solo traveller, but sometimes not everywhere is accessible for a woman. So do you, do you have a, is there a difference with the day trails and the, the longer trails?
2: Not, not really, because hiking long-distance trails in Hong Kong are completely different to, to long-distance trails anywhere else. Because normally you walk from destination to destination, uh, from one set of accommodation to the next. Whereas in this one, it, with all the long-distance trails, of you do, you do the trail, you take public transport to the beginning and you take public transport at the end especially the way that we've written it, because we've, we've got all the public transport information there. Um, in fact, it's only Macklin homes where you can camp at the stops that that you can actually do it in your standard way. Um, whether you're male or female, I mean, we, again, in the book, we say it's not a good idea to walk alone in case you fall over and trip or get lost or, or something. That's the same for, same for anywhere. Now, Hong Kong is certainly no certainly safer than almost
1: any destination I can think of.
0: Yeah, yeah, great. Um, what about the accommodation?
1: The world is your oyster. I mean, you can <laughs> camp, you could go to youth hostel, you can stay in guest house, you can stay in five-star hotel, if you can afford it, anything you like. <laughs> so you choose.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess that's the, the the massive benefit of the proximity to all the cities, just that there is so much choice with the... accommodation and with the food and and all of that
1: yeah the uh, transport system is so convenient i would say the furthest we travel would probably an hour and a half Um, so it's not bad at all Uh, but some walks you can actually get there within half an hour so very convenient indeed
0: okay practical thing now is it really expensive in hong kong
1: the price has gone up um well the pound to Hong Kong dollar in the good, good old days, long time ago, I remember one pound to fifteen dollars. Unfortunately, it's, it's currently one pound to eight pound eight dollar fifty. Uh, thanks, Chris. So, <laughs> by the way, that's really helpful. So it does hurt a little <laughs> bit, uh, <laughs> but it's not expensive. Expensive,
2: uh, yeah. I mean, you can eat out very reasonably. Public transport is very, very cheap especially if you have there's an octopus card which is their version of the oyster card uh, it makes it very very reasonable obviously if you want to stay in five star hotels and eat a Michelin star restaurants then your budget needs to be quite significantly higher
1: but but in general it's not too expensive but it's not as cheap as it used to be now
0: well, that's the same everywhere, isn't it? I guess we're going to have to ride out a little bit of this at the moment and hope hope things go back to normal at some point.
1: We'll come to the district then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and and what about the language? How are people going to get by if they don't speak Chinese?
2: which means uh, I'm learning Chinese. <laughs> which means it's very difficult. Uh, and Andrew tells me I mangle everything, but. <laughs> you can get by in English just about everywhere. And if you're in the middle of the countryside or you're looking for a, a, a taxi or something, uh, what, what we've done in the book is we've actually written the Chinese of your destination and all you need to do is just point at it uh, and then pe- people will understand. Because yeah, to, to expect people to learn Chinese uh, for a week or two's trip, it just, well, I've been learning for... Years and I'm I'm rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: But on all the signposts and everything like that, is it English and Chinese?
2: Yeah. So on the signposts, on the public transport, on the buses, on the road signs, on the walking signs. Yeah, everything's bilingual. So
1: So it's not difficult for English speaking people.
0: You know, when I go travelling, I usually try and learn how to ask for a coffee or, you know, please and thank you. But Chinese is a, a a next level language to try and yeah learn.
1: Well, Simon has actually written a small what would you call it glossary of Cantonese words in the book too. So you would be able to learn to say thank you, uh, uh, you're very pretty, etc. <laughs> I didn't know that. One. <laughs> <laughs> thank,
0: thank you. Me. You're very pretty. <laughs> Is that Simon's key phrase for when he's in Hong Kong? I just wonder where that's <laughs>
2: come from in Andrew's brain. No, I don't. It's not <laughs> the- I don't go around saying to- Tell me
0: which way do i need to go to get to the youth hostel thank you you're very pretty
1: <laughs> you will go very far
0: <laughs> i hope it's um phonetically spelt in the in the glossary then
2: it certainly is yes because there's no way i could do it any other way but the trouble is it's the tone that's important and that's almost impossible to to write down and uh but have a go. Most people will, if they don't understand you, just just point to it in the book and, and uh, everyone can everyone can read Chinese. So there won't be a problem. And most
1: people, uh, almost everybody has to learn English at school, so they can speak English to a certain extent.
0: So I can't remember how many islands, 263 islands.
2: Is that right? In total, that includes Lan- Lantau Island, Hong Kong Island and all the others, which I won't list because I don't know them all.
0: Have you done walks on 263 islands, or are there some that you just can't get to? Or
1: uh, most of them you actually can't get to. There are only uh, uh, about ten islands you can get to. Uh, we've done probably about five or six walks on islands.
2: I'm just trying to think that there's llama Blantyre. Uh, yeah, we got some
1: six, we- six to 7 yeah. got
2: six to seven island walks, but because plus which we didn't want to fill the book with island walks because um the best of the the best of the walk is actually on the is in Saikong or Atlanta island or in the, the far far north so um but yeah there are some as many as you can get to we went to some of them that wasn't worth going for a walk wasn't worth putting your boots on, so they're not in the book
0: yeah I think um that's that's always a common theme with authors is that you end up doing some really really terrible walks. Um and then just obviously they don't make it into the book. And then often you end up doing far too many brilliant walks and you can only you can only fit so many in a guidebook before it becomes too too big and heavy.
1: Well, actually I think when we did the uh walking in Portugal book, we told Joe about it. He was absolutely shocked. We did so many walks and threw away so many of them, they were not included in our book. He was actually Pleasantly surprised by our diligence.
2: <laughs> well, we said the, we the top 40, so we, we reckon we had to do the, at least 150 so we could choose the best 40 of those. There's loads yeah. more. And there's loads more books in Hong Kong yeah. that aren't in the book. But, um, yeah, you, we can't include everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's diligence. And then we have, you know, we've got to post these books out to people so they, <laughs> they can't be too heavy. <laughs> um and then when you when you did the Portugal guidebook, seeing as you mentioned that you you did quite a lot of information about the plants and the flowers and and that sort of thing. So what's that like in in Hong Kong?
2: Plants, plants is Andrew's thing, so I'll pass that one over to him.
1: I mean, we have included a small section in Hong Kong uh, about the plants, to you know, sort of like the national flower, the orchid flower, uh, etc. I mean, being in the uh, sort of tropical area, most things actually evergreen. So as Simon said, the whole island actually, uh, the whole uh, Hong Kong territory is very green. Um, All the time. All the time. And there are things flowering all year round. So you could say if you're interested in plants, a botanist, definitely you could go all year round and you will see evergreen plants and also flowering plants all year round. And in fact, the mountain that uh, Simon mentioned called Ben Nevis, the Chinese name is actually called Red Flowers, is because there is actually endemic azalea, which only grows in Hong Kong, which actually makes the whole mountain red in April, March, April time. So it's well worth a visit for plant reasons.
0: Yeah. Um, and what about bird watching? Is there, what, What's the bird life like?
1: Well,
2: that's my thing. I, I, I do get probably a little bit overexcited about birds, I'll be honest with you. Uh, there's a place in the north, which is a, uh, a f- uh, wetlands that you need a permit for. Uh, dead easy to get a permit, but you do need a permit for it. Uh, and there they've got, I'm trying to remember what, what it is. It's Framing- It's a type uh, of flamingo. Uh,
1: the black spoonbill. Um, oh,
2: no, uh, it's just spoonbill. The blackface spoonbill. Uh, almost the entire world's population overwinters in Hong Kong. So um, that was very special to see. And there's there's tons of... Yeah, there's loads and loads of, of, of birds to see. Um, we bumped into people on on the islands who are only there to see birds because it's on the, what's called the Asian the Asian air uh, the Asian Australasian uh, migration, migration path. path. So you get birds travelling through there that you don't see basically anywhere else, and it's very difficult to see them as long as you go to the right time of year.
0: Yeah, oh, fantastic! There's so much that appeals to me. Everything, like uh, plants, flowers, bird life, rocks, walking. It just, it sounds, it does sound incredible. Um, So how does it compare, if you're doing a long distance trek in Hong Kong, how does it compare to doing something like the Tour of Mont Blanc in the Alps?
1: Very different.
0: That's a really tough question.
2: (laughs) Well, like we said, because you're walking a trail and then you take public transport at the beginning and the end. Um, it can be then be as comfortable as you wish. So, uh, and it's fairly common for us to wish to go to a Michelin star restaurant. Thank you very much at the end of the,
1: at the end of a walk because uh, it builds up a good appetite. So, or well, similarly, quite often we do prefer a shower at the end of the day. So, we do like actually a nice accommodation or reasonably nice accommodation after a long day's walk.
2: Yeah, five star hotels. It isn't my thing, but um, showers. Yes, <laughs> showers being warm and comfortable <laughs> is, is very high on my list of <laughs> important things, followed by lots and lots of lovely food.
1: So, yes, it would be quite different from Mont Blanc.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I suppose again because you're because you have got the city right there, um, is it really easy to take days off and go off and do? Other things, like what what other days would you, what other things would you do in Hong Kong if you weren't hiking?
1: Well, then you could become um, a normal tourist, you could say. Yes, you could actually enjoy the harbour, the light show. The peak, which we mentioned, is actually a very tourist um, uh, location where people go and have a drink, have dinner, watch the sunset or watch the light show over the harbour. There are museums, like Hong Kong Museum. Uh, which which is very
2: true. good actually, because you a really good uh, idea of how Hong Kong
1: came to be. Uh, the galleries and also concerts are quite good. We, uh, Simon, Simon and I actually have actually been to quite a few of the uh, 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 orchestral... Uh, so Hong Kong Philharmonic is is a world-leading orchestra. So it, it,
2: classical, it's got, you've got classical music, uh, and on the other side of things, you've also got Disneyland. So um, it. Again, it, it depends on what you want. I mean, there are seven and a half million people in Hong Kong and they want to do stuff. So there's lots of things to do. Uh, uh, huge amounts of them are do with eating. That's really quite honest. That's very happy. Um, but if shopping's your thing, the world's your oyster. Um, I, I've got a confession, which is I'm, I'm a Lego freak uh, and I've never been to anywhere with so many Lego shops, which is just made me <laughs> quite exceptionally happy.
0: <laughs> oh, we're learning a lot tonight. <laughs> Maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> Maybe giving away a little bit too much there.
2: <laughs> this isn't live, is it? you can just wipe that off Yeah,
0: we'll we'll remove that. Oh, <laughs> no <yeah>. worries. <laughs> right. Okay. Can you go into a little bit of detail then in how you went from thinking about the the book as a as an idea? And then how you went from that to researching it and walking and writing the guidebook.
1: Probably I should answer that one. Yeah, to start it was, with. It was um, your idea. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, as I said, a few years ago when I started to get interested in hiking. So every time I went to Hong Kong to see family, uh, then I would do a few walks. Then over the years, I have actually sort of created a small portfolio Um then obviously when we decide to write the book we hack on on different websites look on the long distance trail ask about ask friends who are interested in hiking then we actually went to hong kong to live for three months and did many many walks almost every day for three months um, and then we also went back again for another three months after covid um, and build up a lot of walks before we decide which one will go into the book yeah so, so in the book so you've got the four long distance trails
2: You've got some uh, recognised, as in you know, uh, walks which are um, well recognised. But then we've made up some of our own just by looking on the map, and um, that's when we found out that all the foot, not all the footpaths on the map actually exist. So that was so we've had some fun days where you go grand total of nowhere, but and then some walks are too short. So we've added one walk to another walk to make uh, a walk that's a, you know. It's worth putting your boots on for, basically.
0: And then what about taking photographs and adding sort of colour and vibrancy to the, the route detail?
1: I think when we were in um, when we were in NeuDart once and somebody was actually amazed, I was carrying full SLR camera up the mountains and he said, is that what you do? I said, that's why I do every walk. So when we were hiking in Hong Kong, whether it was actually on an on-day or off-day, uh, I would still take loads and loads of photos. Um, on a good day, I would probably take 100. On a bad day, I'll probably still take 50. Uh, on an ultra, ultra amazing day, I think I took 3,000 that day, didn't I? You got, you got a bit carried yes. away that day. Yes. Um, Fortunately, didn't make me sit through them all. <laughs> so then we just choose any photos that we like.
0: Wow. I re- I remember. I remember when you submitted the photos for Hong Kong because Joe came over to to me and a, a few other people and sort of said, "Come and come and have a look at these pictures." He was like, "Guess where this is." And we were looking at the pictures. So I was like, "No, I I don't know where that is." And he said, "Hong Kong." I was like, "Wow. I want to go to Hong Kong." Like the the photographs really did it for me. It was And we we sort of shared them around the whole office and we were getting people, come and look at these pictures. Come and look at these pictures. Look at this. This is from a new guidebook we're going to have coming out. And and we all get quite excited. So you've done a really good job with the photographs. So it is worth lugging all that camera equipment up the hills because it does really make it look amazing.
2: Thank you very much
0: and And the book itself, the book itself just looks amazing. I think it's it's really clear, it's really nicely laid out the The pictures, as I've said, are great. it's got a good balance of walks everywhere. yeah, we've already talked about the food and the hotels and the all the accommodation so there really is there's something for everybody in Hong Kong, and I feel like we say that we do say that quite often. Um, but it does feel true that there is something for everybody in Hong Kong
2: well yeah like I said there's 7.5 million people live there so yeah they, they want to do things so um,
1: and that's yeah. also part of the aim of the uh, the book we have actually also we have included relatively easy walks for families for younger children etc and we have also written walks for people like Joe uh, so we hope that and we, us <laughs> and us too yes uh, so we hope Yes, it would cater for a variety of people. And the, the exciting thing at the moment is Hong Kong
2: has is now quarantine-free, so which as long as you're vaccinated, so you can actually get there now. So our book's coming out just at the right time, so that's quite good, because when we went back to do the rewrite, we had to spend two weeks together sharing a room because we couldn't afford a room each. And... Um, it's good. we were good friends. That's all I could say. <laughs> that was that was uh, that was interesting. Shall we say?
0: <laughs> yeah, you did. You didn't. You didn't fight.
2: <laughs> no murder. No murder. No blood. No. It's, it's fine.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you both for joining us tonight. It's been it's been really good to talk to you. The presentation was was fantastic thanks for joining us we the so the guidebook is is going to be published about the middle of january we are doing a discount on pre-orders of the guidebook so if you use the code kong 10 you can get a discount on the on the guidebook so yeah that's exciting so if you head over to our website you can um you can get yourself a copy of that and we will send it as as soon as we have it in the middle of january um, but yeah thank you so much for, for joining us Simon and Andrew thank, thank you. you very much
1: Hannah
0: I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Footnotes the Cicerone podcast I'd love to know what you think or if there's anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes please email live at cicerone.co.uk or leave a review on your podcast platform you can follow or subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss new episodes or you can sign up to our newsletter for all our latest news news events and guidebooks visit cicerone.co.uk for further details we'll be back in a couple of weeks in the meantime come and find us on our social channels we're on all the main ones as at cicerone press and we also have a facebook group cicerone connect where you can meet and chat to other outdoor enthusiasts thanks so much for listening we'll see you soon